here we have in the book of the book of Psalm and the 89 and the 86th Psalm, if you will. We it is titled simply a prayer of David. Now, from what I found and read, it was a little difficult to discover when when David may have written this psalm because there were so many times in David's life where he could have written this psalm. If it was running from his own son, if it was running from his own father-in-law, uh, running from the Philistines, etc., etc. But we do know that this is a prayer of David. And as I read it, I began to think about other prayers that we have in our Bible. We'll come back to Psalm 86 in just a moment. And if you want to just turn over maybe one page, it might be two in your Bible, to Psalm 90. I'm not going to read it. I'm just showing you Psalm 90 is not a Psalm of David. It's actually a prayer of Moses, Psalm 90. And so maybe you could take some time and read that this week along with wherever you are in your Bible reading, but that is the a prayer of Moses and Psalm 90. And then in our New Testament, we have, of course, the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is not our Father which art in heaven. I'm sorry to ruin that for you. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is in, Psalm, is in uh, John 17, is in John 17. Now you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? You just ruined my whole childhood. You know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed. That's the Lord's model prayer. It's not a prayer that the Lord prayed because the Lord never sinned. So he didn't have to pray that prayer. He was giving that to us as a model for us to pray. But if you want to see the prayer of the Lord, the Lord Jesus, that is in John 17. This is the words of the Lord Jesus beginning in verse number 1. And going down through the end of the chapter. Again, we don't have time to read it, but I would mark that and go back and read that. Beautiful. I read it again this week. And this, if you want to say the high priestly prayer, the Lord's prayer, that was a little bit of a, a kind of a bad way of saying it because the Lord's model prayer, I like to say it better personally, but if you say the Lord's prayer, that's okay. But just know that Jesus... Jesus did not have to pray that prayer. I do want us to turn, and I want us to read, though. I'll read for you. Uh, let's go to the book. We're going to come back to Psalm 86, but let's go to the book of 2 Kings. We're thinking about prayer this morning, by the way. I think we know that. And we'll come to verse 10 of our text in a moment where the psalmist said, Thou art God alone. Uh, because who else are we going to pray to, right? We have no one else to pray to but God. And it is amazing that the Creator God is wanting us to communicate with Him. In 2 Kings, in chapter number 19, we have the prayer of Hezekiah. The prayer of Hezekiah. 2 Kings in 19. And verse number 14, and the Bible says, And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Can you picture that? What a sight. And the Bible says, And Hezekiah, in verse number 15, 
prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, notice, thou art the God. Notice what he says, even thou alone. You might want to mark that in your Bible if you're in the habit of doing that. Thou art God, even thou alone. You know, you might have people today, we just had someone uh, testifying about this earlier today that someone told them yesterday, someone told them yesterday that you have your God and I have my God. And all ways or all roads, I'll go back to this, all roads lead to heaven or all roads lead to God. Well, you know, I understand that is a very popular opinion, but that's all it is. It's an opinion. And by the way, it is not my way that leads to God. So I'm not even telling you it's the Baptist pastor's way that leads to God, because that's not true either. There's only one way that leads to the one true God, and that's put down here in the Word of God. And so we only have one Bible. And here, Hezekiah challenges us this morning and he says thou art the god even thou alone notice of all the kingdoms of the earth you think about all the kingdoms even today the word of god is applicable it's uh for us in 2023 this was thousands of years ago that hezekiah was praying this prayer but the word of god is profitable today for us it doesn't matter how powerful man is in whatever kingdom man has. It doesn't matter whatever, dic whatever dictators there are and rulers there are and prime ministers there are and presidents there are. There is one God and one God alone. And he says, of all the kingdoms of the earth, uh, of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. This didn't just happen. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We learned that this week at VBS over and over again. And we're going to sing about it tonight, God willing. He says, Lord, verse 16, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see and hear the words of Sennacherib. Basically, if you read verses 8 to 13, I don't have time to do that this morning. But basically, Sennacherib was... Uh, was uh, challenging God, if you will, and, and shaking his fist at God. And so here's the prayer, and, uh, which hath sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods. Notice, but the work of men's hands... I don't want to worship a God that man has constructed. I don't want to worship a God that man has carved out. And Hezekiah says, that's all they were. They were not gods. They were just the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they have destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God. Notice these last three words. Even thou only. Only. Even thou only. 
David said, thou, verse 10 of Psalm 86, he said, thou art God alone. Even thou, maybe a little bit more volume, Brother Joey, even, please, even thou only. Wow. Let's take our Bibles and turn back in time to 1 Kings in chapter 18. I don't know your need this morning, but I believe God can meet it. I don't know what doubts you might have in your heart today, but I believe God can help you with those doubts. Or else we wouldn't be here. We'd just pack it up and go home. I don't know the, maybe the struggle that you might be having in your mind today, but I know God can help you with that. I'm only a man. I can't help you like God can, but I believe God can help you, and I do believe God speaks through uh, his men and women, and uh, I do believe God speaks through the under-shepherd, and I'm thankful to be one. I'm humbled to be one, but I can't help you like God can. This book right here is alive. You're holding in your hands today. I'm holding in my hands uh, the only thing that I'll ever hold in my hand that is eternal. Think about that. You can't hold anything else in your hand that is eternal. You say, I, I can hold my wife's hand. It's not eternal. I can hold my child's hand. Not eternal. That body's going to perish. That body's going to die. But guess what? The word of the Lord will be forever. It's forever settled in heaven. And so we have this eternal book, 1 Kings in chapter 18. We see a 63-word prayer, 63 words. Now, there's been prayers prayed while sinking in the water in the New Testament that were just a few words, you know. Lord, help! <laughs> Peter didn't have time for 63 words. Peter didn't have time for a whole chapter. Peter had to hurry up. Or else he was going to be blah, 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 under the water. So it doesn't have to be 63 words, but Elijah was on Mount Carmel. And the Bible says in verse number 36, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day. Here it is. Do you see a pattern? Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. That thou art God in Israel. And that I am thy servant. And that I have done all these things. Notice, notice. At thy word. You are God. Let it be known this day that you are God. How is it going to be known? Think about this now. Don't miss this. How is it going to be known that this was God? You say, well, God was going to lick up all the sacrifice. Right. But before that, Elijah had to do what God told him to do. So it was important that the servants of God obeyed God. 
for the people to see that he was God, there, was, there had to be obedience, yes. There had to be prayer, yes. For all of that, yes, surely we know what's coming. If you've never read this, it's going to be awesome to read it for the first time. But we may know what's coming, but I don't want us to miss it. He said, I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. Notice that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. And then verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood, stones, dust, licked up the water that was in the, you need to read the whole passage to get the whole thing, licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. But it came to that because the servant of the Lord said, I have done all these things at thy word. What does Burnaby need to see? Who does Burnaby need to see? I'll tell you, they don't need to see a church. They need to see God. Now, I'm all for the church. This is God's gift. But a church can't help anybody. You say, what? That's right, I can't. But God can. You see, the church is made up of sinners like me and sinners like you. And it's not our job to say, hey, come, come to me. No, it's our job to say, go to him. He can make all things new. Because why? He is God. There is no God like Jehovah. He is God. He is God alone. There isn't anything right now that's in your life that God cannot fix. There isn't anything right now in your family that God cannot repair. There isn't anything right now in your body, if God chooses that he can't heal. There isn't anything that God can do because God can do anything but fail. And by the way, this God, this what may seem to be a distant God, that is not the God of the Bible. The God, is, the God of the Bible is in no way distant. The God of the Bible has revealed himself time and time again. And we, we want to emphasize the fact that this God that we preach of and pray about and pray to he said in, in John 3 and 16, for God so loved the world. This is not a God that is unapproachable. This God is very approachable if you go to him on his terms. And his terms are not broad. We do not all go to God whatever way we want to choose to go to God. That's not the God of the Bible. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, Jesus said. So it's a very narrow way. It's not through the church. It's not through the baptismal tank. It's not through religion. It's through a person, Jesus Christ. That we can get to this God, this one true God, that yes, can send fire down from heaven, but can also send Whatever touch you need in your life. First Chronicles chapter 4. First Chronicles chapter 4. 
Thou art God alone. From before time began, you are on your throne. You are God alone. First Chronicles 4. Even to open this book, the Bible, a holy book, by the way. Cherish your Bible. Treasure your Bible. Try not to put it on the floor. Try not to put anything on top of it. That's just me, but nothing else more important and physically speaking, like we said, that's eternal, like God's word. Verse 9 of 1 Chronicles 4, and Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bear him with sorrow. Here we see what we would call the prayer of Jabez. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. Do you know that God has not run out of blessings? Anybody believe that? God has not run out of blessings. God's not in the poorhouse. Okay? God's not weak. God's not feeble. God's not intimidated by any world ruler, as we said earlier. God's not intimidated by whatever. God has all the blessing that we could ever need. And as we sang earlier, count your blessings. Name them one by one. And we're not going to open it up for that today. But everybody here that's a believer, it shouldn't take you long to figure out or name 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 blessings that are from God. And Jabez prayed and said, God, bless me. And I want, I want you to know this morning that God still wants to bless us. It's good. It doesn't fail. I'm thankful for that. Jabez said, oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast that thine hand might be with me. God's hand. It's not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is ear, ear heavy that it cannot hear. God's hand was there for Jabez. God's hand's here for you today. God's hand's available today. What do you need God to do in your life? I'll tell you, the, the best thing we can do is to humble ourselves and like these men and women that in the Bible that we're reading about and different individuals and just go to the one true God and say, God, I don't really know even how to put it. I'm not eloquent like maybe some of these other prayers are in our Bible, but I just know this. I need you. I've told this to people before. If you'll ask God to reveal himself to you, God will do it. We have people in Vancouver, as you all know, from all sorts of religious backgrounds. Many don't even know if there is a God. They don't know that they believe there is a God. And maybe that's you here today. I'm glad you're here. If you would genuinely want to know the one true God, I believe if you will pray that prayer to God, God will hear that prayer and God will reveal himself to you. I have no doubt about it. No doubt about it. You can get that Bible and begin read it and say, I don't really know. I don't know you, God, but I want to know you. The best way to know God is in his word. And he will reveal himself to you. Jabez says that thine hand might be with me. Notice what else he prays. That thou wouldest keep me from evil. 
Boy, do we ever need to be praying that today. Oh, God, please enlarge my coast. Bless me. I need your hand to guide me. I need your hand to protect me and keep me from evil. He said that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. Elijah said in 1 Kings 18, Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. Let's skip over to Psalm 86 now. David is the writer. David is the prayer, if you will. And in this particular psalm, David uses the word Adonai. Now, you don't see Adonai in there because that's the Hebrew, and it's translated in our Bible, Lord, L-O-R-D, not the one in all caps. That is Jehovah, but the one in capital L, lowercase, O-R-D, is the Hebrew word for Lord, Adonai. And it's in this psalm seven times. It's the word master. Master. We might be here this morning and we say, I know I'm on my way to heaven. I know that Jesus Christ, God's son, died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He now sits at the right hand of the Father. I, I know that Jesus is God's Son. I believe that He is the only way. I put my faith and trust in Him. I, I, whatever, at some point in my life, we can point back to a time when we got saved. As the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you might say, I have that. I've had that uh, moment in time. But I wonder if we can say with the psalmist of Israel that he is our Adonai. I wonder if we can say with the psalmist of Israel if, that he is our Lord. I wonder if we can say with the psalmist of Israel that he is our master. All three the same. Adonai. Lord. Master. I wonder if we could say that this morning. As David speaks to God, we can go through this text of Scripture and we too can see our need within his need. I find a couple things rather interesting. In verse number one, we see that the Bible says, um, Bow down thine ear, O Lord. O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O, verse two, O Thou my God. To me, this is a time of trouble in David's life right here. This is a, he is, he is uh, in a time of trouble. He is completely relying on God. Oh, thou my God. And by the way, as we're thinking about things like this, we want to be careful how we say even use the word God, even in our, just our everyday lingo. 
We want to be careful that we're not taking the name of the Lord in vain by saying something like, oh my God, like David did. And we want to, we want to guard against that. And there's other things that just, just, that just came to my mind here just for briefly. But notice here, he is in a time of trouble. He is relying on God. I trust that that is your prayer as well. But notice it doesn't just happen in a time of trouble. Because skip down to verse number 12. Now the tone is different. He is still praying, but I hope we see something today. Prayer is not just a bunch of asking. Okay? Prayer is not, okay, God, I've got my list right over here. Now you can have your list. There's nothing wrong. I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying that we see here that prayer is not just uh, a time of pouring out our heart to God because uh, we are in great trouble and we have this and you know, all of this. But notice he says in verse number 12, he says, I will praise thee. The tone of his prayer is changed. It's not, from, it's not, I am poor and needy anymore. Now, it's, I will praise thee. Notice, oh, Lord, my God. Same, same sentiment, if you will. But now, it's not prayer anymore. Now, it's praise within his prayer. So now, it's not a time of trouble. Now, it's a time of rejoicing. And what do we do in a time of rejoicing? We praise him. In time of trouble, we rely on him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is a great verse to have committed to memory. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. In a time of trouble acknowledge him. In a time of difficulty acknowledge him. I know that's not in there, but we can, we can, we can use those statements in there. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. The psalmist says, I will praise you, O Lord, my God. And notice it is that Adonai in verse uh, uh, verse number, sorry, verse 12. In our times of rejoicing, we praise him. So in this prayer, in this prayer, in Moses' prayer, even in the prayer of the Lord Jesus and Hezekiah, and I just chose a couple, Elijah, Jabez, and there's many other. When we pray, we are brought into the very presence of God. We are brought into the very presence of our, of our master. By the way, this master leads by love. This master leads by taking all of our care and concern on him. For he careth for you. This master says, come unto me, all ye that are Weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In fact, this master says, take my yoke upon me, take my yoke upon you, for it is light, it is easy. This is the master 
that is not putting me under bondage. No, this is the master that is taking all the bondage away, one layer at a time. As we've been speaking about on Sunday nights, bondage, freed from bondage. This is a master who does not lead me down a path of death and destruction. This is a master that leads me down a path of joy, unspeakable. This is a master that leads me down a path of light, not darkness. Oh, there is a master that will lead us to darkness. There is a master that will lead us to death. There is a master that will lead us to bondage. There is a master that will lead us to destruction. But that is not the Lord. That is not Adonai. Satan is the master that will lead you and will lead me away from the love of God and away from the peace that passeth all understanding that will keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Satan is the master that will take away all the joy that God has given to us as being a loving Adonai. more time that I have in the presence of God, it will lead me to several things. Would you jot these down quickly? Thank you for listening. I pray that you're listening to the Lord. I pray that I'm not getting in the way of that, but I'm just trying to be a vessel. Thank you for praying. The more time we have in the presence of God, we will, we will be led to confession. We will be led to confession. Notice what, notice what David says. Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am what? Poor and needy. That's a confession, isn't it? <laughs> it's okay, by the way, to say you're poor and needy. I don't know if necessarily that's talking about, you know, let's see if I got any loonies or toonies or fives or tens. I'm not necessarily poor in spirit, possibly. But it's still a confession one way or the other. And the more that I come into the presence of God, do you know what I see? I see that I'm not much of, of anything at all. But he is everything. He is the Lord. But when I come into his presence, and, and because of his presence and because of the word of God, it leads me to confession. And the, better, the more that I confess, the better. If we confess our sin, for, for Psalm 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the, the more time we get into the presence of God, the better we will be at confessing. Number two, the more time we have in the presence of God, we will be led to humility. Now, if you don't, if you don't have time for God, some of these things are going to be a problem in your life. If I don't have time for God, I believe some of these things are going to be a struggle in my life. But the more I'm in the presence of God, the easier it is for me to say, I'm needy. God, I must have you. I'm poor. I'm needy. And I think at the same time, we can also see within that statement, that statement is a statement of humility. And what does God do for the humble God gives them grace. God gives them strength. God exalts them in due time. 
So the best thing we can do in a, in a challenging time, the worst thing we can do in a challenging time is, is not go to God. The best thing we can do is in a challenging time, go to God. The best thing we can do in a great time, in a, in a time of blessing, is go to God and rejoice like we see here in David, a time of prayer, a time of praise. But it's still, oh, thou my God, or oh, Lord, my God. The more that we spend time in the presence of God, we will be led to obedience. Look at verse number 11. Verse number 11, this is the prayer of David. Teach me thy way. Do you not know which way to go? That's not a bad thing, by the way. It'd be good for some of us to realize we don't know everything. Right? <laughs> it's okay to say, I don't know. <laughs> don't think you always have to have an answer, by the way, for everybody all the time. You can say, I'm not sure. I need to pray about that as long as you're really going to pray about it. Or I'm not sure how to answer you. I'm going to get in my Bible, and I'm going to ask God to help me find an answer. It's okay to do that. Don't just make up something on the fly. It's better to say, I don't know. We ought to practice that a little bit, right? We won't today, but practice it. Look in the mirror and say, I don't know. It's okay. Because David says... Teach me thy way. If he's asking to be taught, it means he doesn't know the way. I don't know what I should do in this situation. Okay, God, teach me your way. But not just so that you can, you know, some people will, some people will look, ask for counsel. And they'll ask for counsel only just to hear another opinion. Look, I don't, I don't have all the answers, like I said earlier. But if you come to me for counsel, I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be praying. And I'm going to be praying that God would give us wisdom from his word to know the answer. And it's not just so that you can take this and, and add it to whatever somebody else told you. No, if you're asking the Lord like David said, teach me thy way, O Lord. And notice what he said. When you teach me your way, he said, I will walk in thy truth. That's obedience. The more time we spend with God, the more time we spend in his presence, we're going to obey. It's going to happen. We're going to, because why? We've already confessed. We've already said, I'm poor. We've already said, I'm needy. We've already said, I don't know which way to go. But God, uh, you, you show me the way and I will walk in thy truth. Obedience. Number four, when we spend time in the presence of God, we will be led to submission, submitting. Oh, that's not a very popular word, is it? Again, six times he uses the word Adonai. This word denotes lordship. This word denotes loyalty. And so the more time I'm with God, the more time I'm submitting to his will. I would encourage you to encourage your children to spend time in God's word every day. Because 
There's a lot of reasons why, but for this message, so that when they get to the point in their life where they are calling more shots than they ever have, meaning they're making more decisions than they ever have, that they would be willing to not submit to the pressure of society, but they would be willing to submit to God's will. There's no greater joy for a parent than to have a child submit not just to the mom and the dad, that's good, that's a start, but to submit to the word of God, to submit to, submit to God. In other words, to say, God is the Lord of my life. Not only is he my savior, I'm not saying lordship salvation. We don't, that's not something we teach here at all. But if I'm really saved, I can confidently say if I'm really saved, he will be the Lord of my life. I will want him to be that. It's not that I have to have him as my Lord. I want him to be my Lord. I want him to be leading me and guiding me. And so let's encourage these kids to spend time in the Word of God early, 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 early. I'm not talking about 5 a.m. I'm talking about five years old. As early in life as possible before they can even read. Okay, we, it's, time, it's time to spend time with God. So that when they are 18 years old, when they're 22 years old, it will not be unnatural for them. It will be natural for them. To submit, not to just man, but when no one is looking, they're willing to submit. By the way, this is not just for 18-year-olds. This is for 50-year-olds. In case you're 50, it's for you. Okay? Or whatever you are. We won't ask everybody how old they are. But it's for all of us that we would be willing to submit. See, the more time we spend with God, I'm not going to say the easier it gets because I don't know that I like that word easier, but we will submit. Let's say it'll become more of a natural thing than it will be like, oh, I just don't want to submit. It'll, that start, that'll start to go away a little bit. Because why? Because God's proven himself. The last time we submitted to him, God was faithful. You know what else happens when we spend time in the presence of God? Look at verse number four. Rejoice the soul of thy servant. For unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Do you know what happens? The more time we spend in the presence of God, we will be led to an attitude of joy. It's impossible to spend time in the presence of God and not have joy. Absolutely impossible. If you say that, that, that it didn't work for you, I don't know whose presence you were in. I'm not trying to be unkind. Maybe you weren't paying attention but if you were in the presence of God and you were reading his word and sometimes you're just listening and it's quiet or whatever it might be and you start to think about all who he is, he is your Lord, he is your master, he is your creator, he is your redeemer, he is your supplier, he is your substitute and on and on and on it goes and you can just start thinking about all these words and you won't be able to get out of that without having something overcome over you, a little bit of joy, amen? And it's okay to shout. It's okay to smile. It's okay to shed a tear if you're into all of that, not for the emotion's sake, but for the glory of God. When we're in the presence of God, we're going to be joyful. It's going to happen. 
even to Canadians who don't want to be emotional. We're going to have to have a little emotion. It's going to come. Why? Because we think about the goodness of God. It isn't about me. It isn't about you. But it is about the Lord. Adonai. You cannot help but rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Philippians, that whole book. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul sitting in prison? But you know what I, you know what I have to believe? I believe the reason why we have Philippians today is because Paul was in prison, but he was in the presence of God. There's no other way he could write rejoice in the Lord always and be in prison, chained to Roman soldiers. How joyful is that? Well, all, all of Philippians talks about it. Read Philippians this week. Spend time with the Lord. Guess what's going to happen? We're going to be led to joy. Even in the midst of the greatest difficulty. I don't know what your greatest difficulty is. Maybe it's happening right now, and I'm not trying to be unkind. You can still have joy in that. There's a difference between joy and happiness. I hope we all know that. Happiness can come and go like the weather. But joy never leaves. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Love, second one. I don't know if that means anything, but it's number two. Love, joy. I thank God for joy. Sister Joy and Joy. Amen? I have to say that every time. <laughs> right, Brother Joey? He's always thankful for joy. How about this one? When we spend time in the presence of God, I've got just a couple more. It leads me to contentment. Contentment. Our theme verse, really, for this message is verse 10. For thou art great... And doest wondrous things. The psalmist said, Thou art God alone. The more time I spend in the presence of God, I'm content with what God has for me. Because he's God alone. Whatever God brings into my life, I'm content with it. Whatever God doesn't bring into my life, I'm content with it. That will build. That will build over time. I know God is still working on me. I, I will tell you. I'm glad for that, by the way. There's a, there's a fine line between contentment and vision. I understand that. We do need to have vision. We're going to talk about that in the 6 o'clock hour. Where there is no vision, the people perish. So, but to be content with what God has given us, the more time that we spend with him, we will say, God, you are God alone, and whatever you have for me, my family, I'm thankful for it. Quickly, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'll read once I get there. Time is almost done. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 5 says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves. Wow. Isn't that a convicting statement? Not that we are sufficient of ourselves. To think anything as of ourselves. <laughs> In other words, self-made Christian is... Not good. <laughs> our sufficiency is not of ourself. But notice what he says. But our sufficiency is of God. Wow. Thank you, God, for teaching me that. Keep teaching me that. 
1 Timothy 6.6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Wow. The more I spend in the presence of God, the more I'm going to realize I have a lot. Because contentment and godliness, that's great gain. For we brought, I love, I have got to read verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Wow. Number seven, the more time I spend in the presence of God, it will lead me to sanctification. To sanctification. David said in verse two, preserve my soul for I am holy. Interesting statement. I am holy. O thou my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. I am holy. Why could David say that? Because David was connected to the, to the one true God who was holy. In other words, David is saying, I embrace your holiness in my life. He says, O thou my God, I am connected to you. I, I will worship you. I will honor you. And by the way, I, I don't have time for all of this, to, just thinking about it, just to let you know. David was not some perfect man, as we all, I think, know. David had a lot of things he did that were not right. So did I, and so do you. And so, you know, maybe we can't relate to David in, in, in every area, but the, this is the psalmist, the sweet psalmist of Israel. This book is not filled with perfect authors. Human penmen, I'm saying. God is the perfect author, yes. But God used sinful men, yes. Just like God uses sinful mankind today for God's glory. That's just a little side note. However, the more that I'm in the presence of God, I will not want to stay how I am. He said, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. I'm connected to you, God, in trust and in faith. Sanctification is a process. Salvation is a moment. But the more time I spend in the presence of God, the greater sanctification I will see in my life. Because I will confess, and all these things build together. And the more time I spend in the presence of God, I will be led to serve him. To serve him. Verse 16. Oh, turn unto me and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant. Thy servant. And save the son of thine handmaid. I love verse 17. I remember Brother Wadley preaching a message about this. I think it was here. Show me a token for good. But notice that they which hate me, this is why we really don't know specifically maybe of when David wrote it because there was more than one person that hated David, sadly. May see it, may see what? The token for good. And be ashamed because thou, Lord, hast holpen me. 
thou hast helped me and comforted me. Each one of these prayers that we looked at today, it wasn't just the prayer. It was that at the end of that prayer, there would be a group of people who would also say, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is God. That people would not only, they won't see us in the time we have with the Lord. They won't see that. But because we have that time with the Lord and we go out into this world who needs the love of God, first and foremost, because that's what we're told to do. Love, love God and then love our neighbor. Because we've had that time and we recognize thou art God alone, it isn't us that they're seeing honestly, but they're seeing supernaturally the change that God makes in our life. And it can be for them too. And I'm not saying it's us against them because that's not the way it is. At Anchor Baptist Church, we have a message to deliver. Jesus saves. But before we deliver that message, we have a God that we need to spend time with. We have a truth to preach on the streets, house to house, at the store and all of that. And we're, we're for that and we do that and we're going to continue. But before we do that, we need to be in the presence of God. Think about that statement, spending time with God. It almost just is too much to comprehend. But I'm grateful he wants to spend time with us.